Some of my most discouraging moments in life have occurred about 15 minutes before giving birth to each one of my babies. There's just something about that point in labor. I just want to give up. My voice quivers and my eyes close and I just say, I can't go on. My midwife says it's helpful at that time to hold up a baby onesie or a blanket and remember why I'm enduring this pain. But there's nothing quite like my husband stepping up to my side and saying, you can do this. You've come so far and you don't have long to go till you will see our baby face to face. Well, sure enough, and sooner than I imagined, I'm holding that precious child in my arms, grateful to have made it to the other side. Hi, I'm Laura Booz. Welcome to the Women of the Bible podcast. Sometimes following God's call on your life can feel like that discouraging moment in labor. We all know what it's like to want to give up. In this season of the Women of the Bible, my friend Aaron Davis is leading us in a study about Deborah, whose story reminds us that even in moments of discouragement, God is there for us, strengthening us and seeing us through to the other side. Come on, let's open our Bibles to the book of Judges and join Aaron now. Okay, I'm going to start with the big question, and it's this. What makes your courage falter? What makes you get weak in the knees or makes you say, I want to give up? What is that for you, Laura? A cranky toddler. <laughs> First thing in the morning, I get up and there's that cranky toddler. I just want to crawl right back into my bed. Makes you want to quit your day before it started. <laughs> it and I just gather them in my arms, kiss them up. They're stinky and everything. But after a while, it warms my heart. And What about you, Stacy? I got to say spiders. Mm. I mean, I see one and you would just think I'm going to pass out. I don't know what to do. My, my knees shake. It could be the smallest spider in the world. And I'm like, I can't do it. Oh, well, they are creepy. Oh, I don't think too many legs. It's not natural. Yes, I totally, <laughs> totally agree. Well, I was going to say criticism. Oh, mm. you're getting deep. I'm going deep. Yeah. I mean, I don't like spiders and I don't like cranky, stinky toddlers like you mentioned. Mm. But um, criticism cuts me off at the knees pretty easily. And it can be helpful criticism. It, it, sometimes it's not. It almost instantly makes me question what I am doing and what I should be doing. And it like a pin that pops the balloon of my mm. courage over and over. I it's, totally get that. Yeah. yeah. That's happened to me. Another one for me is exhaustion. Mm. When I'm just physically tired, I just, I don't know, everything seems like a mountain. And I yeah. feel like I just can't face it. Yeah, <laughs> we don't feel brave when we're tired. Mm. Mm. I think mine... It's just reminiscing, thinking of the mm. past. I don't realize how much time I spend just like, oh, I shouldn't have done that or I shouldn't have done this or how is that going to work out now that I did this. Mm. And just kind of always looking behind me instead of ahead of me and what God's going to do. So that kind of yeah. discourages me a little bit that I spend so much time on what has been and not. Hard to be brave when you're looking in the rearview mirror. Yes. Right? Mm. Well, welcome back to the Women of the Bible podcast. You should need no introduction at this point. This is the last episode, unbelievably, of the Deborah season. But let's introduce ourselves anyway. Stacy, tell us your name. Tell us where you're from. I don't think we've talked about that. Huh. I'm Stacy Rudolph. I'm actually from Southfield, Michigan, right outside of Detroit. Okay. So, yeah. Nice. Laura? Yes. My name is Laura Booz, and I grew up outside of Philadelphia in the okay. suburbs. Okay. And then in grad school, I moved out to State College, Pennsylvania. I'm Erin, and I'm from Missouri. I live on a little farm there. I'm in the same little town where I grew up, and it hasn't changed in the four decades I've been alive. Not much. So it's a good little place on the map. Well, we're not here to talk about maps, thankfully, because I'm not great at geography. We're here to talk about Deborah 
Actually, we're here to talk about God and mm-hmm. what he does through the life of Deborah. And if you're just catching up with us, you might not know exactly what we're talking about, but I thought we'd just let Deborah and Barack do the recap for this episode. Let them tell the story in their own words. So let's head to the book of Judges, which is where Deborah and Barack's story is written down. We're not going to read all of Judges 5. I want the women who are listening and watching to actually open the Bible for themselves and read these passages rather than just listening to us talk about them. But let's read some of it. So, Laura, would you read for us Judges 5, 19 through 27? And before you do... Mm Give a little little backdrop. This is a victory song that we're going to read. So why were they singing a victory song? Because mm, the Lord had just routed the enemy. Right. This intimidating mountain-sized enemy, right. 900 chariots 900 of chariots. iron and yeah. horses, an enemy that had oppressed them for 20 years. Mm-hmm. You start to get in your head, that's never going to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. But the Lord had just gained the victory for them. So Deborah and Barack are... Singing, singing together, a victory song. Duet. a little duet mm-hmm. action, right? So, all right, read us Judges five nineteen through twenty seven. All right, the kings came, they fought, then fought the kings of Canaan at Tanak by the waters of Megiddo. They got no spoils of silver from heaven. The stars fought from their courses. They fought against Sisera. The torrent Kishon swept them away. The ancient torrent, the torrent Kishon, march on my soul with might. Then loud beat the horse's hoofs with the galloping, galloping of his steeds. Curse Meraz, says the angel of the Lord. Curse its inhabitants thoroughly, because they did not come to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. Most blessed of women, B.J.L., the wife of Heber the Kenite. Of tent-dwelling women, most blessed. He asked for water, and she gave him milk. She brought him curds in a noble's bowl. She sent her hand to the tent peg and her right hand to the workman's mallet. She struck Sisera. She crushed his head. She shattered and pierced his temple. Between her feet, he sank. He fell. He lay still. Between her feet, he sank. He fell. Where he sank, there he fell. There you go. That's good. They go on to sing about Sisera's widow, and they're Mm. just singing this song. Mm. It's very poetic. Encore. Encore. (laughs) I want to hear another uh, refrain. It's interesting how in verse 27, she just says it over and over. He collapsed, he fell, he lay dead, he Mm -hmm. lay dead, he collapsed. And I'm like, that's important. She wants you to know he was finished. Like, God took care of it. It's over. And, you know, don't all the good songs repeat? It's like, get it, get it, get it. Get it, mm-hmm. hear it, hear it. And that's mm-hmm. what we hear in this victory song. I want to read us the final stanza of this victory song. Chapter 5, verse 31. So may all your enemies perish, O Lord, but your friends be like the sun as he rises in his might. And that's the end of their song. But the chapter ends with, and the land had rest for 40 years. Mm-hmm. So the story of Deborah really ends on a high note. Mm-hmm. Right. The enemy is slayed. The people are singing and there's 40 years of peace, which if you've been following along, the whole story is significant because how long were they oppressed? 20 years. So they get mm-hmm. double the amount of peace mm-hmm. that they had of oppression. They mm-hmm. didn't earn it. But God does. Isn't that God's grace? Yes. yes. Gives them it's double what they need. all over that. Right. Mm-hmm. But let's use our imaginations again. Nothing that I'm going to ask next is overt for us in the text. We just have to think about our own human experience. But Mm -hmm. using your imagination, after this tremendous victory, do you think that Deborah experienced personal discouragement, Stacey? Yes. I think that's just our nature nature. to kind of, even when God does amazing things, we recognize it, but it's always that little bit that kind of slips back in where, you know, you just 
the flesh kind of comes up and you do get a little discouraged in spite of remembering what he just did. Right. I think so, too. Yeah. What do you think, Laura? Mm, I, this song must come out of such glee and happiness because of knowing discouragement. You know, mm-hmm. knowing that all along, longing for the Lord to do something on behalf of his people. She's been sitting under that tree right. making these judgments. And so this song, I think, is evidence of like this rejoicing after a very long period of discouragement. Right. And surely, as Stacy said, that discouragement would come mm-hmm. again. And she turned back to the Lord again. Yeah, I think the discouragement, you know, we've talked about the 4D cycle in this mm-hmm. season, which is disobedience, discipline, distress and then deliverance. But you got to think discouragement is somewhere in there because mm-hmm. discouragement is a cycle. Yes. It's really not just for me. I do face discouragement chronically, mm-hmm. but I think as human beings, we face discouragement. And sometimes it's after a great victory given by the Lord mm-hmm. that we can just crash Tank. so hard into mm-hmm. discouragement. Mm-hmm. Can you think of a time where you've experienced that phenomenon where the Lord has given the victory and Within the next breath, you're facing discouragement. I've noticed that. I think we see it a lot in ministry. You do something really big for mm-hmm. the Lord. Um, he does it, a great work through you. A lot of fruit happens. And the night of, you're just attacked. You feel like, yep. oh my goodness, everything. You start picking apart what you did. Was this right? Was this this? And it really is, I believe, truly from the enemy. Because you have just been such a vessel for the Lord. You have just done such great things. And it's so easy to let him kind of come in and mess with you a little bit. Yeah, I've experienced that many, many times. Hearing you say that reminds me, I think that they use this great tool by singing a song of praise to the Lord after a victory Mm -hmm. because it does keep you from that post-victory spin. Instead, it points all the glory to the Lord. In fact, that verse 5-2, the song starts off with that the leaders took the lead in Israel, that the people Mm -hmm. offered themselves willingly, bless the Lord. Mm -hmm. I thought, wow, Why not after every women's ministry event where things go well, the volunteers showed up, the leaders took the lead, the Lord was glorified, fellowship was rich and sweet. This is the verse and song I want to come back to, to say like, oh, Lord, instead of being, ah, why don't we do this? You know, I probably let that person down. Who cares? Like, Mm -hmm. let's sing the praises of the Lord and get our eyes on him. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) worshiping the Lord is a tool in the life of the believer. For me personally, I've been facing an ongoing long struggle with a family member with poor health. And it's so discouraging Mm. because the Lord can do whatever he wants, but it looks like humanly speaking, she's just going to get worse and worse. And then, Mm. and then she's going to be gone. And when I just feel like I can't do this anymore, I turn on praise music where for a while I would, I would turn on a podcast to try and, you know, think of something differently, or I would just go to a task and there's nothing wrong with those things, but they didn't lift my soul out of the pit. But some worship, some singing in my kitchen, singing really does work as an antidote to discouragement. It has been in my life. So I love that you point out that pattern. I think it's so cool, too, because it is such a battle for your mind, Mm. whatever you're focusing on. So the fact that we do have worship to just play and just fill our minds. So Mm -hmm. we're not up here just spinning around and focusing on our own thoughts. Mm -hmm. And it's like God, not like he knows, he knows how he made us, you know, and that we do need something to focus on and it should be him. Yeah. So let it play. Yeah. And when we look throughout scripture, God's people sing. Yes. A lot. A lot. Right. And sometimes we relegate that to 15 minutes on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. But here they're singing at the on the battlefield. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's not unique to them. So maybe they were proactively pushing back against discouragement. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
Mm-hmm. But if we're going to be like Deborah, and, and after this study, I'm like, I want to be like Deborah. I want my own palm tree. Um, and I want to be a woman of valor. Mm-hmm. I want to be a nurturer like we've identified her as. I want to be a helper. I want to be a responder. And then my house wakes up. You know, <laughs> I wake up and feel that way every morning. And then, oh, right. the people in my life, they're awake. And this gets <laughs> hard. hard. So we aren't going to tie up this episode or this series in a tidy bow. We're going to wrestle with what does it take for us to continue fighting for truth? What does it take for us to continue fighting for righteousness? What does it take for us to continue fighting for personal holiness, which is a battle? What does it take to continue living by God's design in the face of discouragement? I feel like among the people of God, there seems to be a growing sense of discouragement. Do you feel that at all, Laura? Mm, Both and. Yeah. I hear it a lot more. Mm. But when I really sit back and look at the Christians that I know and what I see happening, I see a lot of growth. I see a lot Mm -hmm. of hope. I see a lot of people reaching out and relationships being built and churches going deeper. I really do see God at work. Yeah. So you think we feel personal discouragement or you think maybe there's just a contingent talking about our discouragement? I think we talk about discouragement more than we talk about the, I don't know, sometimes it's hard to put it into words, what the Mm -hmm. Lord's up to. Sure. But, But that's okay. Because he'll keep going. One of the character traits I admire about Deborah, we'll add to our list. She's a woman of valor. She's a woman of strength. She's a nurturer. She's a giver. She's soft. She's steadfast. Hmm. She did not quit. She went to an actual battle. Right. You know, it wasn't an emotional battle. It wasn't a cultural battle. It was people fighting Mm -hmm. each Mm -hmm. other. On the underdog side. And she didn't, although I think she could have, she didn't decide, I'm going to go back home. Hmm. I'm going to play it safe. Where she lived was actually geographically removed from the battle. But she was steadfast. She stayed. She saw it through. And steadfast is a word I would love for people to use to describe me. And it's a biblical word. So let's head to the book of James. Stacy. I know you love the book of James. I do. Can you get us to... We were just talking about how James is hard to find. It's a little guy. So <laughs> ignore some page turning as we get there. I know if I spot Hebrews, I'm close. You're close. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Uh, Stacy, can you read us James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4? Yes. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So your version says endurance several times. My version says steadfast. Let me read it. Count it all joy, my brothers. I'm not a big fan of that phrase. I understand it. But, man, that's <laughs> tough truth. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or endurance, as you said. Mm-hmm. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Stacy, I'm not a runner. I'm a fighter. And I don't necessarily fight the thing I need to fight. I'll Mm. just fight everything else, you know. (laughs) Anything in your way. This this is tough. (laughs) Let's fight. Uh, Those rams on the National Geographic that they just bat heads, that's me. (laughs) Let's go. Um, And that's not any more righteous than fleeing from Mm. it. You know, Deborah could have turned on her own 
men. Mm. You know, there could have been friendly fire and she yeah. could have just been combative. Uh, been combative. Mm. You make a good point because I always think when we stay in steadfastness, it's just good enough to stay. Just stay. You, and if you're going to stay and fight against the Lord, that ain't good. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, or fight against what the Lord anything. has for you or yeah, fight against yeah. God's people. Or, right. Right. That's that's not I don't think that's in the spirit no, of I don't what think James is encouraging us. <laughs> yeah. The Lord's helping me to be a lamb, not a ram. But I just feel like we don't just need a revolution of women willing to live for Jesus. We need a revolution of women willing to keep living for Jesus. Mm. You know, that they don't just burn hot and then yeah. peter out. We don't just have a lot of zeal and then get squashed by the world and then have no zeal and just tread water just for the rest of our years. do it when it's comfortable for us. Right. Yeah. We stay in it. We don't just decide as a new believer, I, I'm going to fight for the Lord. I'm going to fight for the gospel. I'm going to fight for God's truth and then get caught up in other priorities. This this steadfastness yeah. is a character trait that I think is so important. Laura, I feel like you know a lot of wise and wonderful women. Can you think of one who's steadfast? I think it's hard for us to even picture what a steadfast woman of God is like. What is she like? Can you mm. think of one? Yes, I think of one right off the bat. She has battled colon cancer several mm-hmm. times. She lost her son to colon cancer wow. when he was just in his 20s. She will not stop serving the Lord. She does mm. not stop walking with Jesus. She's in the hospital. She pops right back out, mm. <laughs> and she's still at it. She's in her 70s, approaching 80. Wow. And just the other night at our small group, she was talking about how she was noticing she was getting discouraged from the news. It was really getting her down. And she said, so I had to get on the treadmill. I had to start walking. I had to put worship music on and I had mm. to renew my mind. Um, and I know she loves Jesus. I know he is the wellspring of her life. Yeah. I know it's not just for principle or I've just got to keep going because of grit, but it's really out of a relationship. She is considering him when she is moving forward. And just hearing mm-hmm. you say that, it makes me think of how so many of us have a transactional view of God. Mm-hmm. So if you do this, then I'll do this. If you but act if you this don't way, do this, then I'm not doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just to hear you say, talk about her in spite of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, colon cancer and all of that. There's some people that would say, no, God, obviously you're not for me because you did this. And it's just not the way that yeah. God is. It's not how we should be towards God. Yeah, so. I when I think of steadfast woman of valor, I think of my friend Tippy, who, like your friend, she's in her late 70s, and she refuses to retire. She doesn't think that's what the Lord has for her. In fact, last year, she went to the Middle East to minister to missionaries, and she's she's in wow. her late 70s. She still serves in the nursery at our church. She served in the nursery in our church for decades, mm-hmm. where a lot of th- people, I think, would kind of, oh, I did my time. Right. I paid my dues. Mm-hmm. Not her. She and, and it is because of the Lord's work in her. It's not just because she's a doer. It's not just because she wants to be involved in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but she just is steadfast, and she will be steadfast until the Lord calls her home. Mm-hmm. And I, I watch her and want to be like her so desperately. Can I share with you girls something I read in my devotions this morning? Sure. Okay, so I was reading Mark 1 because I just needed to spend time with Jesus. I was like, well, I'm just going to start reading about you, Jesus. But you know what popped out to me when when he healed Peter's mother-in-law? She popped up and began to serve them. Mm. Her new lease on life. Like, you got a second chance, right? What's it going to be? What's your new perspective? What's compatible with now this whole understanding of life again? 
get back to serving. Mm. <laughs> I just love that. I think it goes along with what you were. I think Deborah probably went back to the palm tree. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. she probably did. To continue to work. God was right. To do. She was still a judge. She was still a prophetess. We don't know that from mm-hmm. the text. Mm-hmm. But that's my assumption based mm-hmm. on what I see of her character. Right. As she continued to do what the Lord had called her to do. Mm-hmm. Well, let's read one more passage from James. Stacy, can you read us James chapter one, verse twelve? Yes. Blessed is the one who endures trials, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. It's not Mm. like blessed is those who endures when life is easy. Right. Blessed is he who endures, you know, the smooth path. Mm -hmm. It's you're blessed when you endure the trial and then you receive the crown of life. So first we battle, then we rest. I'm always wanting to rest and then rest. <laughs> no battle. No out. battle. I don't want to battle. <laughs> um, but the pattern here is that first we battle and then we rest. And Deborah inspires me because she actually went to the fight, mm-hmm. you know, and she wasn't faint of heart. So Deborah and Barack fought a physical enemy. Mm-hmm. It was an army. They had chariots. There was a general. I haven't ever fought a physical enemy. I haven't been in that kind of battle. But I fight a spiritual battle. Scripture makes that clear. Mm-hmm. In Ephesians, the Bible tells us that our enemy is not flesh and blood, mm-hmm. but against the rulers, the principalities of the dark realm. Mm-hmm. So what does that battle look like? What does it look like when Satan, our enemy, is opposing us? For me, I think it looks really emotional. Mm-hmm. I think he knows my bend to let my emotions and feelings kind of lead me. So when I am doing something for the Lord or I am walking in the will of God, I get a lot of discouragement. And mm-hmm. it may be somebody says something and they, they didn't even mean it a certain way. Mm-hmm. But the way I took it and interpreted it was directly something that's going to kind of hold me back and discourage me from continuing in the walk mm-hmm. that God has called me in. Yeah. I, I think it can look cultural. I mean, yes. We should not expect the culture to welcome us as children of yeah. God. And it can feel like we're up against an army. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in some ways we are. And I think that's what enemy-fueled opposition can look like. Anything come to mind for you? I'm just thinking of my closest relationships, you know, Mm. my marriage um, and the spiritual battle that both my husband and I have to wage war in order to stay together, you know, in order to keep loving one another. And um, the spiritual battle I have to fight on behalf of my children who come into this world with a very real enemy, but they have no idea. You know, who he is or how to fight or who their savior is. And and it's my job to tell them Mm -hmm. and to pray on their behalf and to train them in battle. We went to Jamestown in Virginia and there was a, I can't remember the the tribe of Native American Indians who lived in Jamestown. But either way, what I learned there is that the mothers would train their sons with the bow and the arrow because the fathers would be out mm-hmm. hunting or fighting. And so they didn't have time to train their boys. And so it was the mother's job. Like she had to be just as good mm-hmm. <laughs> with a bow and an arrow to train her son to then be able to go out and hunt and fight. Which, man, I'm glad that's not the case anymore. I struggle. <laughs> yeah, but I think about it in the spiritual realm. Sure. Mm-hmm. I think about it when I'm home training my children for the spiritual battle that mm-hmm. they have to mm-hmm. wage. Yeah. And enter. And they will have to fight it. Mm-hmm. I think he's crafty, too, the, the enemy. It doesn't even have to be a big roadblock. I mm-hmm. think if he knows if he can do just 
enough little things Mm -hmm. to kind of get you off of it, he does it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it may be something financial. It may be something with work. But if they all start to pile up, you're like, wait a minute. Am I really supposed to be doing what God has called me to do? I say he's crafty, but he's not creative because he's been using the same old methodology. That's true. And we can see some of it. And Cicero, like, he used bondage. Yeah. Doesn't Satan put us in chains? Mm -hmm. He used intimidation. Mm -hmm. Doesn't Satan try to convince us that we don't have what it takes Mm -hmm. to stand for the Lord? Mm -hmm. And so in some ways, this battle that Deborah fought just feels so familiar Mm -hmm. to me. And she had a lot of opportunities to quit, Mm -hmm. I think. But she didn't. We see in the passages that she saw the battle all the way through. And so as we're ending this last episode looking at Deborah, What does Deborah inspire in you? She inspires me to be steadfast, Mm. to stay in the battle. I love the song because it points out where everyone was in the battle. So I'm like, what am I going to do? Am I going to be in the sheep's pen? Am I going to be at the harbor? Or am I going to be in the battle? Looking at the window. Yeah, you know, peeking. Are they done yet? You know, or is it, am I going to go out and fight Mm -hmm. what God calls me to do? That's good. I love that opening of knowing that they were in 20 years of oppression, mm-hmm. knowing that they were in that cycle, but she seems to be standing apart from that cycle of mm-hmm. disobedience and desperation. She mm-hmm. seems to be like God's messenger, being faithful to speak his word to his people and to help them remember and help them live according to it. And that's inspiring to me. Isn't it nice to know that we do have that option? We don't have to be sucked into the vortex of the 4D cycle. Mm -hmm. What Deborah's story reminds me is that God is with me in the battle. Yes, It was God's battle. It was God's victory. Mm -hmm. And God's with me in the fight against my flesh, which is a battle. He's with me in the fight against the culture that doesn't recognize him. He's with me in my fight to understand my identity according to his word. He's with me in the battle. And that's really what Deborah and Barack sang as they sang the, that victory song in Judges 5. And so as we end this season of the Women of the Bible podcast, I thought we'd just end it with our own victory song. We don't have to sing it. We're going to read it. Um, <laughs> it comes from Psalm 24. And let's just read it in stanzas. It's just 10 verses. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not appealed to what is false, and who has not sworn deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who inquire of him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. Today, we've been exploring things that may make your courage falter. And more importantly, we've seen how our courage can be bolstered by leaning on the Lord. The life of Deborah shows us how to courageously follow God's lead. I hope you'll get to know Deborah better by getting a copy of the Bible study, Deborah, Becoming a Woman of Influence. It's the study we've been following in this season of Women of the Bible. To get a copy, visit reviverhearts.com slash Deborah. 
You'll also find videos of all the discussions in this session, a perfect tool to use if you turn this study into a small group study. Again, you'll find all these resources at reviveourhearts.com slash Deborah. It's the final episode of the Deborah season, but you can hear all the past seasons of this podcast. You'll learn about Elizabeth, Ruth, Abigail, and more. Just visit reviveourhearts.com or subscribe to Women of the Bible with Aaron Davis on your preferred podcast app. Women of the Bible is a production of Revive Our Hearts, calling women to freedom, fullness, and fruitfulness in Christ. I've known Laura Booz for a long time, and so I expected her podcast to be something I enjoyed listening to. What I did not expect was to be driving down the highway, listening to Expect Something Beautiful, and have to pull over because I was crying so hard. So I stood there, and I placed my hand on my womb. I knew she had already gone, but I still had to let her go. I looked down at my round belly, and I did the last thing I wanted to do. I said, you can go now. It touched my heart in a way that I didn't expect, but I delighted in, and it is a podcast every woman needs to subscribe to. Subscribe to Expect Something Beautiful on your favorite podcast app.